This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. As the kids are going to their classes, I would invite you to open your Bibles with me and turn, first of all, to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'll read a few verses there, and then we will turn to our main sermon text in Hebrews chapter 1. But first, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 15, and we'll read through verse 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And now Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. Hebrews 1. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is excellent to be here with you. Uh, While I am sure that many of you are are familiar with me um, just from seeing me around, this is probably a capacity that maybe you you haven't seen me in before, Um, but I am excited uh, to be here with you. I'm excited at the opportunity that we have to consider the Word of God together. I'm humbled by the opportunity that I have to preach it uh, to you. And, um, you know, a couple weeks ago when uh, Pastor Aaron asked me if I would consider preaching on this text, um, I, I was excited about the opportunity Uh, And last week, um, Pastor Aaron did an excellent job um, preaching through uh, Hebrews 1, verses 4 through 14, and and talking about angels, but more importantly, talking about uh, the superiority of Christ and how awesome um, our Lord Jesus is. And uh, this week, um, we are going to kind of stay on the topic of angels uh, for one more week. We are going to look back at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, um, and we're going to kind of use that as, as a jumping off point um, for, uh, for our consideration of this topic of angels. Um, what are they? Why do they matter? Why should we care? Uh, and, and what does all of this have to say uh, to us? So while Hebrews 1.14 is our primary jumping off point, we're going to spend some time looking at, at the book of Ephesians, the book of Galatians, uh, plenty of passages from the Old Testament, um, and we will see what the Word of God has to say on this topic. But before we go any farther, um, let's take a moment and pray. Our Father who is in heaven, 
Thank you for this, this week, uh, one more day where we get to come together, be called together uh, as the church, as the body of Christ, as we come to worship you, as we come to observe you and learn about you. Lord, I pray that, um, that what we do here would be acceptable in your sight uh, through, through Jesus, your son. I, I pray that we would worship in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray specifically for my words. Lord, I pray that you would uh, equip me to speak truthfully and graciously the things that concern you. I pray that we would all walk away with uh, an increased knowledge and understanding of who you are in, in such a way that it affects our hearts and, and causes us to grow in love for you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be amongst us in opening our hearts and our ears uh, and, and that he himself would be equipping me to speak uh, to these, your people. Lord, I pray that you would receive all glory and honor. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Know thy enemy, know thyself, and you will not have to fear the outcome of a hundred battles. This is uh, one of Sun Tzu's most famous lines from his classic text, The Art of War. Uh, this is a quote that shows up in all kinds of different works and all kinds of different circumstances. Um, and, uh, and this is a, a quote that I kind of want to pull and put in front of you uh, for our purposes today. Because you woke up this morning a soldier in a battle, though you may not have known it. You've got friends and allies in this war. You have friends and allies that are powerful, friends and allies that are loving, friends and allies that are devoted to their cause. Uh, you also have enemies in this war, enemies that likewise are powerful, likewise enemies that are hateful, and enemies that are, are bent upon your destruction, and they are not passive about their hatred for you. They are quite active in it, and they seek constantly your undoing. Your life is taking place in the midst of a battlefield. And, and when I talk about your allies and your enemies, I'm, I'm not talking about the president. I'm not talking about a certain political party. I'm not talking about a nation that's out there that may be threatening. I'm not talking about the things that you might see in the news cycles or on social media that, that seek to strike fear into your heart. No, I'm talking about the fact that we walk in this world amongst angels and demons we walk amongst spiritual forces that are locked in bitter conflict with ourselves placed at the center. See, your life and every part of it is involved in this war. This is something that you are not safe from. This is not a war that's happening overseas uh, that you just read headlines about, but this war has come to our doorstep. This war is being waged in your homes. This war is being waged in your workplaces, in our schools, and yes, even in our churches. This is not something that any of us are safe from, and it is a war that we are all engaged in, whether we know it or not. The consequences of this war are eternal and infinite. The casualties of this war are not merely bodies, but spirits as well. And the consequences of this war will be not only for this life, but for the life to come. When we're talking about being involved in a war that is so consequential, we cannot afford to be ignorant concerning it. We cannot afford uh, to, to turn our eyes from it and pretend as though it's not happening. But my fear this morning is that 
myself and us all uh, are far too ignorant when it comes to the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. And when I say ignorant, I'm, I'm not trying to be slanderous. I'm simply trying to say we do not know as much as we ought to when it comes to this spiritual warfare. And as we look into uh, the book of Hebrews, um, last week Pastor Aaron talked about angels uh, and, and uh, again, the supremacy of Christ. And, and this week, as we look specifically at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, we read that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. They are our allies ministering to us. And just as Elder Josh mentioned in our confession of sin this morning, uh, the scriptures are incredibly clear about who our enemies are. The Bible, the word of God, has told us without reservation that our enemies are not flesh and blood, but are spirits, principalities that rule over darkness, uh, and, and we struggle against these. The, the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. And yet we are a distracted people when it comes to our conflict, when it comes to the wars that we wage. We sometimes so quickly use up all of our energy fighting against enemies that are not our enemies. We, we spend so much energy fighting against political opponents, cultural opponents, people in comment sections on social media, or even other Christians. Others of us have become convinced that there is no more battle, no war that needs to be fight at, fought at all. And so we don't spend our energy fighting against those false opponents. Rather, we don't spend any energy at all. And we lay down our arms altogether while war is on our doorstep. Both of these approaches land us in incredibly dangerous places because we have found ourselves wrapped up and involved in a war of which we are very ignorant. We can see the consequences of this in our lives. You see, our enemies and our allies, they cannot be seen or touched or felt. We are caught up in a struggle against that which is invisible, and this is something that our culture uh, pushes against or even laughs at. Uh, but the scriptures are clear. Uh, Hebrews 1.14, I already mentioned it to you, mentions the reality that angels are ministering spirits sent for our sake. The book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 10, uh, we see Jesus speaking about little children when he says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. The book of Psalms, going to the Old Testament, 91.11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You see, the scriptures are clear and they speak against a materialistic culture that we currently live in. A materialistic culture, I don't mean that just in saying that we enjoy Amazon, although we do. Uh, what I mean is we have become so obsessed with the physical to the exclusion of anything spiritual at all. The things that we care about, the things that we truly believe in, the, the things that we spend our energy on, we, we care about the physical, the things that you can see with your eyes, the things that you can touch with your hands. And we have either come to not believe in the spiritual 
or we so quickly forget about it, and we live as though the spiritual does not exist. This is something that's difficult for a materialistic culture to grab onto. And this means that we have put very little effort into understanding the nature of the spiritual conflict that you and I are engaged in. We, we may not know who our enemies are, who our friends are, what our struggle is, or what's on the line. And we may have many questions about all of this, which is understandable, and it's good to ask the questions about spiritual conflict, but I believe that it also reveals an issue that you and I have. An issue that we are ignorant about the war that we are caught up in. Now, to put it simply, our struggle is primarily concerning angels. Uh, this is important because, as Pastor Aaron said last week, uh, we, the, the topic of angels is perhaps one of the most misunderstood topics in our American Western culture today. Uh, almost everybody at, at some point in your life, and probably at the earliest stages of your life, have been taught about angels. So it's not that we don't talk about them. The issue is that we are so often misled with misinformation about angels and demons, what they are and, and, and who they are to us. Now, I want to spend just a moment talking about some of the most common misconceptions that either I have believed in my own life or things that I hear people say and, and maybe some content that I see out in the culture that, that I, I think has, has kind of pervaded our minds. And, and maybe we aren't even aware of the fact that, that this information hasn't come from the Word of God. This information has come from some type of content outside of it. One of the most common misconceptions about angels is that they are simply people who have passed away and have gotten their wings, so to say. Uh, this is something that we read in, in comics or something maybe that is given as a consolation at the loss of a loved one. Um, but the reality is nowhere in the scriptures will you find this teaching. Uh, people and angels, they're, they're separate creatures. Uh, we would no, no more become an angel than we would become a donkey or, or a cat. Uh, they, they simply, we human beings and angels are, are separate and distinct. Um, so angels are not mere human beings that, that have passed on and gotten their wings, nor are angels eternal. This is another common misconception about angels. Uh, angels are created beings uh, like you and me. Angels have a genesis. They have a beginning. The Lord our God created them along with everything else that is in existence, whether visible or invisible. And so while they may be immortal, meaning they do not have an end, uh, they do have a beginning which makes them, of course, not eternal. Only our Lord, the God, our, the Lord our God is truly eternal. Likewise, angels are not all-powerful. Uh, while they are certainly not inconsequential and, and they can certainly do things and they have power, um, they have limits as well. And, and this is something that we uh, can come to, to understand as well. Pastor Aaron, I thought, did a good job talking last week about the misconception that angels may be all-powerful. And now, if you are a fan of art, and especially of the Renaissance era, you may be under the impression that angels are plump babies uh, floating on clouds. And I'm here to tell you that they are not plump babies that are floating on clouds. Um, what we see in the scriptures gives us something incredibly different, an image incredibly different from what the Renaissance painters may have uh, put in front of you. 
Um, angels are spiritual creatures. They are spirit. They do not have bodies like you and I do. Um, however, they are able to manifest themselves visibly to us. And the scriptures give us many, many accounts of them doing exactly that. And as they manifest themselves in visible form, they take on, it appears, several different forms. Um, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, uh, you can remember even at the very beginning when Adam and Eve fell and were exiled out of the Garden of Eden, it was an angel with a flaming sword placed at the gate to keep them from coming back in and eating of the tree of life. Now also, if you fast forward just a little bit and you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, when Lot, Abraham's nephew, was sitting in the gate of the city around dusk, uh, it was two angels that God sent into the city to determine whether or not it was deserving of judgment. And as they approached, Lot sees them approaching and perceives that they are people, inviting them into his home. Uh, the city themselves see these two strangers, perceiving that they are people, uh, and treat them incredibly poorly as strangers. Now, it, it, so it seems at times that angels in their visible manifestation look like you and like me. Uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, also says that as we entertain strangers, uh, we are sometimes entertaining angels unawares. Uh, now, this is true sometimes, but also if you were to look at different por portions of scriptures like Isaiah or Revelation or likewise, um, angels appear visibly in forms that are completely different from us, uh, sometimes appearing as though they are like the creatures of this world or, or combinations of those creatures, uh, images that quite frankly are rather terrifying at times. Uh, at times, they're, they're visible as these glorious creatures in flight in the heavens, singing praises and worshiping our God who is in heaven. So, there are so many misconceptions about angels, and, and I, I want to pause for a moment on that, and I want us to begin to talk about, um, rather than what angels aren't, what are angels exactly? What are angels, and, and why does it matter? Well, in the beginning, as I mentioned, God created two kinds of rational creatures, two kinds of creatures who logically think and, and act in, in ways that are rational. These are human beings uh, on the one side, us, uh, and the second is angels. And while human beings were created with body and spirit, uh, the angels were created as purely spiritual creatures. They, they do not have a body like you and I have. Uh, and we also see in the scriptures that apparently angels went through a probationary period like human beings did. Uh, here's what I mean when I say that. We all know the story. Uh, when Adam and Eve were created, they were placed in the Garden of Eden. And they were placed with two paths in front of them. The path of obedience to God, which would lead to an eternal and infinite blessing, or, or the path of disobedience, which would surely lead to death and separation. Now, we know the choice that our first parents made, but angels as well were given this probationary period, and we see some of them uh, obeyed. Some of them obeyed the Lord and, and worshiped him and were confirmed in an immortal holiness. These are the angels that we read about that are in the heavens and amongst us praising and worshiping our God. The angels that, as Josh said earlier today, we are called to join in worship. Uh, as, as we are called to worship in, in even this room here this morning. 
But then there were other angels who, rather than choosing the path of obedience, chose to disobey, chose to rebel against God, chose to sin against him in their pride. These angels were cast down, were exiled out of the kingdom of God, and were now confirmed in an eternal state of judgment. Only they don't have the same hope that was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. These are the angels, those who are confirmed in in immortal holiness and those who are confirmed in immortal judgment uh, that we struggle with and against in our spiritual conflict every day. And as as you think about conflict, right, any conflict, now, as I was thinking, you know, it's been football season, I'm I'm a football fan, and I've been thinking about um, football a lot lately. Uh, but, uh, you know, as you think about football and, and you, if you listen to sports radio, you'll hear a bunch of people talking all the time about how they're so good or so bad. And, and coaches will, will kind of get under the spotlight sometimes because one of the jobs of a coach uh, is to create a game plan, to study the enemy, to study themselves, to figure out where the strengths and weaknesses match up and to put forward a game plan going into game day uh, that will put their team in, an op- in a position and an opportunity to win. Now, a coach who fails to do this, a coach who does not study the enemy, does not study himself and his team, puts himself and his team at a massive disadvantage. And I cannot think of a greater disadvantage, a, a worse disadvantage, than not even believing that the other team takes the field. You can imagine if, if a quarterback playing in a football game uh, were to uh, continually be thrown into the ground, and every time it happens to him, every time he feels the effects of that, he thinks there must be some kind of like a medical explanation for this. Why do I keep falling down? Uh, what's going on with me? Uh, but he refuses to believe in the 300-pound defensive tackle that is continually driving him into the dirt. You, you can imagine how great a disadvantage they would be at. Now, Imagine for a moment that you were living a life locked in a conflict where there are evil spirits who are hell-bent on destroying you, and you just didn't believe in them. You just didn't know anything about them. Imagine the negative effects that that would have on your life. You don't have to imagine it, because this is the state of humanity. This is where we've come to. We have come to be completely ignorant as to who our actual enemies are, and we have either chosen not to believe that they exist, or we have become so misinformed about who they are that we have just been getting drilled spiritually by, by these, these evil spirits, these demons. Now, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." We have found ourselves in a state of deadness in sin. And what's more than that is we have found that we have become willing uh, disciples of demons. 
that we have placed ourselves in such a position that we are following after the false teachings of evil spirits in this world. We have come under their wing and we have become their pawns in this war. It isn't just that they have utterly dominated us. It is that they have converted us to their cause. This is a problem. This is a problem because we have been faced with an issue that not even the holy angels can solve. Because even if we were able to uh, conceive a scenario where the holy angels were to sweep through and utterly destroy those angels who are evil, the angels, the holy angels still would not be able to deal with the fact that you and I have committed ourselves to evil, that we have found ourselves counted amongst the numbers of the enemy. They can't change our hearts. And our hearts are evil. We've been following after the prince of the power of the air willingly. Know thy enemy, know thyself. It seems as though we have nothing but fear as to what happens in this battle. But thankfully, we have witnessed the rise of not just angels, but of the Christ. We have witnessed not mere angels who have come to our aid, but we have witnessed the Son of God himself coming in power to deliver us from our enemies, to redeem his people. And this is the point of the book of Hebrews. Uh, we are talking about angels right now, but we're going to be able to talk about Moses and the sacrificial system and the high priests. And at every step of the way, the author of the letter to the Hebrews is going to want to put in front of you this reality, that no matter how great some of these things may have been, Jesus is greater than all of them. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. He is our champion. He is our victor. He is our redeemer. This is who we come to believe in. This is who we've come to observe. And this is who we worship as the church. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, so just one verse prior to where we've jumped off into this conversation on angels, uh, we read, To which of the angels has God ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Speaking here of Jesus. Now, looking forward a couple of weeks, we are going to be discussing Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, which quotes Psalm 8, saying, You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. You see, we see again and again the reality that Jesus is the victorious one. He is the conqueror, and that he, when he came into this world, he completely subdued all of the evil spirits and proved himself an authority over them. He did this time and time again in his life and ministry here on earth. And, and I could stand up here and tell you about all kinds of examples where he did that, but I want to focus on just one right now. The book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 23 through 27, gives us a scene where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue in authoritative teaching, uh, when all of a sudden a man approaches him, and we read, And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And and we could talk about Jesus being driven out into the wilderness and persevering through every temptation that Satan threw at him for 40 days. And we could talk about when Jesus came to the man who was possessed by a legion of angels and Jesus commanded the legion to come out of him. And we could talk about all of the cases where Jesus came to men and women possessed with unclean spirits and when nobody else could help them, Jesus decisively and definitively proved himself to be an authority that commands even the unclean spirits and they must obey. Obey him. Jesus has proven himself to be absolutely authoritative and victorious in authority in the spiritual forces. The demons themselves knew who Jesus was and they shuddered at his name and at his presence in this world. Jesus, of course, ultimately proved himself victorious at his own resurrection from the dead. Because you see, here it was that he disarmed the evil forces, the evil spiritual forces, for for all time. For their greatest weapon, the thing that they leverage the most fear about in us is death. And Jesus proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that even in death, he is victorious. That's why John 1, 4 through 5 says, In him Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, in addition to destroying our enemies, he has also done what the angels never could have. And this is good news for you, church. Jesus not only destroyed our enemies, he redeemed us out of their number. Jesus did what nobody else could do. Jesus came and destroyed the evil spiritual forces, completely disarming them. And more than that, he came and set their prisoners free. He turned our hearts away from willfully serving that which is evil towards serving and loving God in his kingdom. Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has adopted us into his family. Jesus has made us his own. This is something that only Jesus could do. And this is more than anything else what you and I are in desperate need of. Through faith in Jesus, we are transformed from death to life, from a disciple of demons to a disciple of the Most High King. This is what Jesus has done for us. And apart from this redemptive work, you and I would have nothing but fear sharing that which the demons have as we await the return of the Christ who will be their final undoing. And yet through this redemption, we have come not to fear, but hope. In addition to redeeming our hearts, Jesus has provided to us so many uh, benefits in this life and his adoption of us. The book of Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 say, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law 
so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Christ. Praise God, church, for your salvation, for your adoption as sons and daughters in his kingdom. Now, one more important thing that I want to say to each of you this morning is that as Jesus has saved us, redeemed us, adopted us, he has not redeemed us to be mere passive observers, but he has redeemed us to be soldiers, warriors for his kingdom. Uh, Just as we talked about in the assurance of pardon this morning, uh, we read in Ephesians 6, 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. You see, church, we have been saved, we have been redeemed, we have been given deliverance over the powers, the evil spiritual forces in this world, and we have been made not into sideline observers, but into warriors. People who will trample over serpents and scorpions, who, over which we will have no fear. You know, when Jesus was in his life and ministry on earth, he at one moment sent 72 of his disciples out into the neighboring towns and cities. And they came back amazed and astonished, not just at the effects of their evangelism, but in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 17 through 19, we read that the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. God, in saving us, has turned us into soldiers for his kingdom. And when we look back at at the 2 Kings 6 uh, um, passage, which was our Old Testament scripture reading, and and we see uh, Elisha and his servant, you know, his servant goes out and sees an army, enemies arrayed against them, outnumbering them. He goes to Elisha scared and finds out Elisha knows something that he doesn't know. Elisha knows that their God provides for them and that no amount of enemy can overcome the help of the Lord. And so he asks him to open his eyes and he sees the chariots of fire, the soldiers standing by at every moment, the help of the Lord, which is ready to come and rescue us from any danger. This is ours in Christ. We have enemies in this world, certainly. We have enemies who are more powerful than we are. But we have a God who is far more powerful than they. So I'd like to offer an amendment to Sun Tzu's, uh, uh, his quote, uh, for our purposes. Know thy enemy, know thy Lord, and you will never fear the outcome of any battle. For our God has saved us and delivered us and provides help in the battle. 
Because while we may know what the end of the war looks like, because Christ is ultimately victorious and he will bring all those who are his into victory, we recognize that the battle continues to rage. That God has made us soldiers in this battle and he has equipped us to fight against the forces of evil in this world. My brothers and my sisters can no longer afford to remain ignorant on the spiritual warfare that we are caught up in. We must know our enemies. We must know our God and the help that he provides. And we must press forward confidently, knowing that no amount of evil forces will be able to overcome us through the strength of our Lord. We must press forward, for at the end of this war is a beautiful inheritance purchased by Christ that is our complete salvation. Let's pray. Our Father, you have been so very good to us. Lord, though us who have willfully committed ourselves to doing that which is evil, willfully committed ourselves to following the the misteachings, the false teachings of the evil forces in this world, Lord, you have redeemed us out of that place, and you have brought us to yourself as sons and daughters, soldiers who fight and are equipped to fight. Thank you. Give us boldness uh, to, to continue to fight in this battle and give us confidence knowing that you deliver the victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. 